Welcome to Transforming Lives with Michael Carter, pastor of The Life Church. The Life Church is a place where you'll enjoy interactive dynamic worship, prayer, and a very practical, down-to-earth yet spiritual message. Our service times are Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and Wednesday night reboot at 6.45 p.m. Visit us at mychurchlife.org or on Facebook. Just search My Church Life and look for The Life Church. Now, let's join Pastor Mike. I just want to talk to you a few moments this morning uh, from the subject, an empty tomb. An empty tomb. So if I were to say to you this morning, just think about Jesus, just his name, the word Jesus. You know, what comes to mind when you think about Jesus? Take a moment and think about that. Many images may come to your mind when you think about Jesus. Uh, maybe him healing people, him healing the blind man or the lady with the issue of blood. Certainly you might think about when he turned water into wine some of the miracles that he performed, or even walking on water. You might think about him feeding the 5,000. But we know beyond the shadow of a doubt, one of the images that comes to mind when you think about Jesus, when someone says, Jesus, you think about the cross. You think about the cross because it's a representation of the sacrifice that Jesus made for you and I so we could live a resurrected and eternal life together not only with him after we die but that we would live an abundant life right here right now and if the cross is the defining symbol of christianity then the resurrection has to be the why the resurrection is why he did it you know very often we say that jesus came so that he could die on a cross i would tell you this morning this morning that that is partly true he did come so that he could die on the cross but that was not uh, a fulfilled purpose. He came so that not only could he die on the cross, but he would resurrect three days later. That's the why. That's the why. The cross in itself is not the why, but the resurrection completes that sentence, and the resurrection is the why. Now imagine yourself at that time, and you were one of the ones who discovered an empty tomb. After all you had been through, you laid him to rest three days earlier. And then all of a sudden today, someone tells you the tomb is empty. You wouldn't think of it the same way we think of it because we're able to look back and think about the story. You would think, what happened? Where is he? What's going on? Confusion. If you have your Bible this morning, turn to John chapter 20. I'm going to ask you to go there with me this morning. I'm going to read quite a lot of scripture this morning, but it's the story of the resurrection. And I want to focus in on one woman's viewpoint and maybe what she got out of this. John chapter 20, I'm going to begin at verse 1, and I'm reading from the New King James going on down through verse 18. The Bible says this, Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out 
And the other disciple outran Peter, came to the tomb first, and he, stooping down, looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there. Yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who came to the tomb first, went in also, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. She saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head, the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now she had said this, as she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. She did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She supposed him to be the gardener. She said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned around and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascended to my father and your father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. This woman, Mary Magdalene, the first to see the risen Savior. And at that time, it was pretty amazing because it wasn't like it is today. At that time, he showed himself first to a woman. Jesus always does things differently than we think, doesn't he? Jesus rises above culture even. But Mary Magdalene, who was this woman, Mary Magdalene? You know, it's hard to imagine what her life was like before Jesus had healed her. Mary Magdalene was a woman who walked with Jesus. You know, the Bible says in Luke chapter 8 that uh, his disciples, as he went about healing and his, as he went about teaching and as he went about his ministry, that the disciples were with him. The 12, it says specifically, they were with him. But in Luke chapter 8, it also says that there were certain women with him, ones who had been healed of evil spirits. And it says Mary Magdalene, of whom seven demons came out of. Jesus cast seven demons out of her. She was also with him. And so once Jesus healed her, she hitched her wagon to Jesus. She didn't just get healed and, and say thank you and go away. She was with him, listening to him. Mary Magdalene was a woman who had seen a lot. She had seen subsequent healing. She had seen Jesus do miracles. She was with him when he did all of these things after she was healed all the way up 
to his death and even to his resurrection. So you can imagine as she was at the tomb what she must have been feeling. You know, perhaps anyone with an intimate knowledge of mental illness can glimpse into the life of Mary Magdalene before Jesus healed her, being tortured with seven unclean spirits. And filled with compassion, Jesus drove them out. Jesus rooted her. He restored her. He made her whole physically, emotionally, socially, and above all, spiritually. In this new life, she committed to the needs of the traveling teacher. She committed to this healer with a radical message. No matter what, she was not going to leave. She witnessed the wonders that he performed, yet she saw him through the eyes of expectation. She was with Jesus no matter what. Her view from the foot of the cross contradicted everything that she had learned from her Messiah. Fear and doubt attempted to crowd her mind. Put yourself there. Imagine you're this woman who had, had been through all of this, who had been tortured, tormented, and all of a sudden with a word, Jesus spoke and it was driven away and you were restored. Not only were you healed, but your sins are forgiven. Imagine, and now you're at the foot of the cross what fear and what doubt might be running through you. Everything she thought she came to believe was about to die. It was about to die on the cross. The Holy Lamb of God looked down on the people and while braced against the splintery wood of the cross, he said these words, it is finished. Not I am finished, but it, this work is finished. And so Mary went to the tomb three days later because she didn't have an opportunity at that time to really do the things that she wanted to do, needed to do for the body of Jesus. And when she went there three days later, he was gone. He was gone. The tomb was empty. Imagine her trepidation. Imagine her wonder, her curiosity, her fear. Imagine all of that that was running through her. But Jesus spoke to her. One word, one name that woke her up, Mary. He spoke her name. And I believe this morning Jesus is speaking your name. You know, there's times when we go through life that we're spiritually asleep. I mean, we're going uh, through life day by day. We get up, maybe we eat breakfast, maybe we go to work, go to school. Whatever it is that we do, we go about our day. Maybe we're church people. We go to church. We go to Bible study. Maybe we even read our Bible. Yet we're spiritually asleep. This morning, I want to let you know that Easter is a wake-up call for us. Easter Sunday morning, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. But for you and I, it is also a wake-up call. It's a wake-up call. What is it a wake-up call to? Well, first of all, Easter is a wake-up call to a blessed life. It's a wake-up call that your life is blessed. <laughs> Mary Magdalene was grieving for three days. She was spent. When the Sabbath was over, she was dreaming. <laughs> I mean, and she was determined. She wanted to help 
give her healer and teacher a proper burial. She must have been out of her mind. That's just me. I'm saying that. Of what had just happened because everything she went through, all the hope, all of the expectation just died on the cross in a bloody death. So she was grieving. She was determined. She looked in that tomb and instead of Jesus, she saw heavenly beings saying, who is it that you seek? Instead of a dead person, instead of her master, Mary, muddled with grief, drew conclusions based on circumstantial evidence, but and not on Jesus' promise. How many of us have based conclusions on circumstantial evidence and not on Jesus' promise? When you're awakened to a blessed life and you're not living a blessed life, I'm not talking about material things. And we go through ups and downs. There are days when we're on the mountain. There are days when we're in the valley. Yet through it all, we have a blessed life. And if, you, if that is not your realization, then you're spiritually asleep. And Easter Sunday morning is a wake-up call, just like it was for Mary, because she was looking at the evidence of circumstance instead of the promise that Jesus had made her. Jesus told Martha and the other Mary, I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection. And so you, you are living a blessed life. What is included in a blessed life? Now that you're awakened in a blessed life, first of all, it's, it's an honored life. 1 Samuel 2, verse 30 says this, for those who honor me, God says, I will honor. Those who despise me will be lightly esteemed. You live an honored life. 1 Chronicles 29, 12 puts it this way, both riches and honors come from you. And you reign over all, and your hand is power and might. In your hand, it is to make great and to give strength to all. Proverbs 22, 4, by humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. You're awakened now to a blessed life. Psalm 84, 11, for the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. Listen to this now. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And then John 12, 26 says, if anyone serves me, Jesus says, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will also be. If anyone serves me, watch now, my father will honor. My father will honor. Blessed life is an honored life. A blessed life is also a favored life. Proverbs 8.35 says, for whoever finds me, God is saying, finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. You find God, you find favor itself just by finding him, not by doing anything, by finding him and believing in him, you find favor. Proverbs 12.2 says, a good man obtains favor from the Lord, but a man with wicked intentions, he will condemn. See, very often, side note with the Lord, it's one thing or the other. You know, we live in a time of gray area, but I think Easter Sunday morning, uh, we can all agree and we can see that with God, there are no gray areas, right? There's no, you're either cold or you're hot. And God says, a good man obtains favor from the Lord, a man of wicked intentions, he will condemn. It's one or the other. Whose side are you on? Psalm 512 says, for you, O Lord, will bless the righteous with favor you will surround him as with a shield He'll, he blesses with favor 
And in Psalm 30, 4 and 5 says, Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name, for his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And the morning is not when uh, the sun comes up. The morning is when you wake up. Wake up. It's a wake-up call. It's a wake-up call. Also, a blessed life is a prosperous life. It's a successful journey. Again, it's, we're, our, our lives cannot be judged by material things alone. It was part of it. God loves to bless. He loves you to overcome. But it's a successful journey so that at the end of your life, you can look back and you can say through all the ups and downs, through the mountains and the valley, all that I've been through, I've lived a successful life and I've had a successful journey. You know, in, in Second Chronicles, speaking of Uzziah, who was only 16 years old when he became king, Second Chronicles 26.5 says this, he sought God, Uzziah did. In the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God, and as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. As long as he sought God, God caused him to prosper. You know 3 John 1 and 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. And if we were to remember Joshua 1, 7 and 8, it says, only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do all that is written in it. For then, if you do that, you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. So a blessed life is an honored life. It's a favored life. And a blessed life is a kingdom life. What's included in a kingdom life? We could go into kingdom living. That's a whole message. In fact, that's a whole series. That's a whole Bible study all by itself. But, but the second point is it's a, it's a kingdom life. What's involved in a kingdom life? Well, first of all, healing. How many know we, we could use that word right now? Healing, healing. Matthew 4, 23 says this, and Jesus went about all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel, watch, of the kingdom and healing. Now, here's a word I don't know if you know that God uses. Here's a word that many people may never have heard God use before. I don't know. But it's this little three-letter word called all. <laughs> All says healing all kinds of sickness. What are you going through right now? Is it included in all? He, he heals all kinds of sickness, all kinds of disease among the people. Is a common cold? Is a virus? Is any of that included in all? All, all. Kingdom life is a healing life. Kingdom life is a victorious life. Listen to Matthew eleven twelve. 12. It says, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. But now watch this. 
He said uh, in Luke 17, he said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see it here, see it there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is where? The kingdom of God is within you. And the kingdom of God is within you. We just read the scripture that said, uh, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. It's in here. And the violent do what? Take it by force. You have victory over your own flesh. You have victory over your own mind and thoughts. You have victory over anything that comes against you, including you. You have victory. This kingdom life is a victorious life. And this kingdom life also allows us to understand mysteries, especially the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Matthew 13, 11 says, he answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them, it has not been given. Listen to me, listen to me close. God will give you revelation that other people wish they had. People will begin to read books and, and study. And I'm not telling you, you don't need to study. You need to study. The Bible says study to show yourself approved, the workman that need not be ashamed. But in your studying, you will get revelation. Words will be life. Why? Because the letter of the law kills, but the spirit gives life. It gives life. And so you and someone else could study the exact same thing, a cure for a disease. God will give you the revelation, though, on how to do it because it's been given to you to understand the mysteries of the kingdom. This is a blessed life. This is a kingdom life. And then finally, he's given you a new name. When you believe on Jesus, he gives you a new name. Now, when you, when you see Mary Magdalene in your mind, when I say the words in the name Mary Magdalene, in your mind's eye, what do you see? What, what comes to mind when I say that? Mary Magdalene, especially those of you church people who maybe have heard sermons or studied or read stories about Mary Magdalene. What, what, what comes to your mind? Maybe the first thing that comes to your mind is she was a prostitute. You've heard that before. She's a reformed prostitute now. That's what you think of when you think of Mary Magdalene. Or maybe you see a woman who at one time was possessed by seven demons. Now, the Bible does say that. She was at one time possessed by seven demons. And that's what comes to my mind when I think of Mary Magdalene. Or you think of this poor lady who followed Jesus around and uh, she was just so downtrodden and she had been healed of seven uh, demons and she's just thankful, but she's uh, moping. And you think all of these things about Mary Magdalene. And I've even heard some say that they believe her name, Magdalene, meant she was a prostitute or meant that she was downtrodden. But let me tell you something about Mary Magdalene's name. The reason why Mary was named Magdalene is because she was from a village named Magdala. That's what it means. It doesn't mean she was a prostitute. It's a village on the Sea of Galilee. And in fact, that name means tower in Hebrew. Some of us don't even know uh, what our name means. We don't know what Jesus has called us. We just know what we are in the flesh. But what Jesus has called you is something much different than what you believe you are or what other people were saying you are. This new life is not only a blessed life and a favored life and a kingdom life, but he also gives you a new name. In John 1.42, Jesus looked at Simon and he said, Simon, Bar-Jonah, son of John, you shall be called Cephas which is translated Peter, which means 
the rock. Jesus will give you a new name. And I believe that like Peter, Jesus sees in you what you can be or what you really are. I should put it that way. Jesus sees in you what you really are, regardless of what you think you are. God knows what we are, and he loves us just the same. God knows what we think we are, but he loves us just the same. He loves us enough as well not to leave us that way. He gives you a new name. Whoever trusts in Jesus for forgiveness of sins, the one who is, is the name above all names, receives a new name and also a new life, new purpose, a new destiny. Look at what Jesus promised to all who believe in him and overcome. Revelation 2.17, I will give him a new name written on the stone, which no one knows, but he who receives it. Jesus will tell you your name. Don't, 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 worry. don't worry about what other people call you. It's between you and the Lord. He tells you who you are. He tells you who you are. In Revelation 3.12, I will write on him, you, the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, my new name. I don't care what people have called you. I don't care what you've been through in the past. Understand that today is a wake-up call for you and I, that you, you have a blessed life, you have a favored life, and you have a new name. So don't look back. A man with his hand to the plow, looking backward is not fit for the kingdom of heaven. Look forward. It doesn't matter what you've been through because he lives and he's resurrected to give you a new life. This word made flesh holds the power to create from nothing by just speaking. But with a gentle breath, he drove out Mary's unbelief and her grief by speaking her name, Mary. He's speaking to you today. He's speaking your name. We do the same every time that he reminds us of his presence, no matter how bad things appear. With Jesus' salvation mission at an end, his relationship with Mary and the rest of his people changed forever. He would no longer live on earth among them, but he would promise not to leave them alone to their own devices. He sent her on her way to spread the good news, not with a degree, not as a theologian, but as a person who believed in Jesus. After she saw her Savior die, nothing made sense, but Jesus spoke her name. How many times do we struggle with our own expectations and wisdom over God? It's wasted energy. C.S. Lewis put it like this. He said, I gave in and admitted that God is God. So if you haven't accepted Jesus in your life as your personal savior, then it's time to stop just existing dormant. And it's time to get busy living because God is your strength. Philippians 4.13, you know it, says this. It says, I can do all things through God who gives me strength. He is your strength. God is your strength. Accept him today.